Welcome to another Forensic Happy Hour. And uh, where does the time go? These weeks continue to go by faster and faster, uh, which could be good, could be bad, or everyone's seen the movie like uh, Groundhog Day, because sometimes I do wake up and think it's the same day as it was before. And I have to remember, um, actually look and see what the days of the week. But hey, it's Friday again. Beers are in hand, hopefully you guys. Um, it's five o'clock somewhere. And so interesting because uh, my guest today, uh, we were just actually talking before the show. And one of the things, obviously, when, when I was invited, I remember, and we didn't know it was 2014, but 2014, which seems forever ago. Um, well, actually yesterday, maybe. But uh, when he was uh, winning at the DFR Summit, he uh, won the Investigator of the Year, which is to me bitching. So uh, I have Santiago on here, and I think we're going to have a great conversation because I think, obviously, drinks in hand. And uh, I guess we'll watch what happens. Excellent. And good to see you. Good Cheers to see you. Again, what uh, 2014 like we were talking about. That's correct. Which, again, you know, I'm like, hey, it seems like a long time ago, but honestly, it it uh, it looks like you know both of us. We kind of yes, it's been a long time, maybe because you know you I, gray, I have gray in my beard, those types of things. But honestly, it wasn't that long ago, right? So, what I want you to do is just introduce yourself to everyone. Let's talk a little bit about you know, obviously. Uh, you know, your career, where it started, how you started it, um, you know, what, you know, what, what you did and then what you're doing now. Cool. Uh, let's start by saying it does feel like a long time ago. At least I am feeling it. I was just telling you, I'm trying to read serial numbers out of equipment and I'm just going like this, like this, like this until it's too far away for me to read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, I actually was born in Venezuela, Caracas, Venezuela. And back then, I, you know, as a kid, had access to computers all my life. I think my first computer was an Epson a Abacus, or also known as a Q1-10, mm -hmm. which, by the way, was not the high end that they came out with. It was just a 64 kilobyte of RAM. And uh, I think he had... You had to load a basic with a couple of five and a quarter discs. Uh, so, you know, I was, you know, lucky enough to have computers in a country that was just, you know, not common. Uh, and, you know, that actually got me involved in, in computers. You know, I broke that computer maybe a hundred times uh, every week. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, Time passed. Uh, I went to school in Venezuela, uh, the University Central of Venezuela, for uh, engineering. I started in chemistry, changed to geological engineering, and then the situation of the country turned sour. Uh, I decided to come here for a year and went to the actual town where I live in, Bradenton, Florida, and uh, studied, studied English for a year, which apparently did not work very well because of my accent. <laughs> and then I came back to Venezuela to try to finish school and I decided to start something completely different down, down there. So I went to school for marketing 
And at the same time, I had a computer company called Inversiones PC 2020. It was back in 1998, and I was living in 2020. I don't know why. Uh, okay, which no is, one ever which is wants to be living in 2020, man. It's no one. Right? Crazy. Uh, in fact, I was just looking for the website just recently, and the website is still out there on archive.org. And oh, I'm, I'm ashamed because it's a terrible website. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know what happened in Venezuela, right? Things turned sour with uh, President Chavez. And my mom, dad, and sisters were living in the U.S. And she always kept telling me, why don't you, you know, come live with us here in the U.S. and just get your citizenship, your residence. So after a big coup against the president, uh, where we were marching against the government, uh, and I saw people getting killed in front of me. That was, it was the time for me to say, mom, I'm taking on your offer. Time to move out. So in 2003, I moved here. And lucky enough, I met a couple guys that were starting or that had a computer forensic company, a father and son in town. Uh, and I remember going interview with them, not about computer forensics, because my Real background in Venezuela, what I had worked for 10 years, was graphic design for medical laboratories. So I did all their, you know, their material, their boxes or medications, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I remember going to the interview with all my portfolio, and they started asking about computers. I was like, well, yeah, that's my hobby. That's what I do for a living. Hey, have you ever, you know, done recovery of deleted files, like, yep, you know, this is, I used WinHex back then right. uh, to recover data. So they hired me right away, and we started this process, and here I am, you know. In 2015, uh, after 10 years working with them, I started my new company, ATX Forensics, with a cousin, uh, which is an interesting story, too. Uh, back in Venezuela, I had this cousin that I had lost contact because he had moved to the U.S. when I was 17. And during my first three months working at this previous company, I remember working for, I was helping a government entity with a website. And I remember that I needed high resolution logos for that particular website. Mm -hmm. So I called their office in Houston and this guy picked up and says, hey, is Ray Jeffs. And I'm like, Ray Jeffs in Houston. Do you, by any chance, know Ramiro Jeffs? You know, Jeffs. And he's like, it is me. So I'm like, no way. What are you doing? And he was doing computer forensics back then. He had a company called the CyberCop in Houston. So we, you know, after so many years, we were doing the same things, working in the U.S. Uh, as computer forensic analysts. And 2015 was a year when he actually retired from his previous work, and it was perfect timing for me to to start this this company, uh, which now actually has six years almost. It's just crazy. Crazy. So, so one of the things that you bring up, I mean, that is it, it, it's it is, and I've said it in several of the shows. It's crazy that I mean, you started. You weren't on the computer forensic side of it, right? No. You, you know, you tinkered with computers. You kind of did this stuff, but you really kind of your life was, you, you know, something completely different, right? Completely and, different. And so, you know, it's 
it is, I'm telling you right now, you talk to uh, so many, so many people that are in the industry right now, you know, and they were like, I didn't even know what this was. You know, I was doing graphic design. I was doing web design. I was, uh, you know, developing applications or, you know, writing code or, and then all of a sudden, you know, now I'm doing computer forensics. So, so explain to me, I mean, what is it? What was, do you remember how you said, oh, this is cool. And you kind of shifted from, you know, the, the background or the path that you were on, on to now saying, man, this is some great stuff. So I think it all came down since I was a kid too. You know, I remember looking at the last portion of the newspaper when people actually read newspapers and actually got their hands tainted with ink. Uh, because that last section of the newspaper had uh, the section called successes, which were actually crimes that occurred in your country. So I remember reading about crime and uh, always been intrigued about how this happened, uh, how did this occur. And then, you know, I, I read a lot of literature about crime and police work. Uh, so it was kind of, you know, leaning naturally towards that investigative type of things, even though I never had a formal education in that particular area. So when I got to this company in 2014, uh, I remember uh, they were starting, you know, the, the company had some time, but they were still very young. And uh, we basically started learning together and uh, we had a big case. I remember starting looking at the data, starting trying to reproduce uh, artifacts that I was seeing. Uh, back then, I remember starting, you know, sys internal tools and plugging a USB device and check sys internals and regex. It's like, what happens when this occurs? Because these guys are looking if these guys took data with a flash drive. Uh, so none of these tools that are automatically parsed everything existed back, back then. So I love that, that portion of it and love the fact that every case, even though they have something in common, were different. It was fun. Uh, and then the real key, I think, they all had value to me. I was helping somebody. I was helping either a company uh, protect their assets. I was helping a person actually prove that they were innocent or I was helping, you know, I was helping a, a company protect against crime. So I, I fell in love with it. Uh, and I'm not going to lie to you. I also, during that first year, I think I prepared three or four resignations letters because we were exposed to a couple of cases where, you know, we had terrorist, you know, communications on it or cases where you, know, you were sending somebody or the, the product of your work was going to result in sending somebody to jail for a pretty long time. So I struggle with the, the moral side of things, you know? Yeah. And eventually I said, hey, I did not do this. I'm just uncovering what these guys did. Right. And it is only fair just to show what really happened. Yeah. So there's in interesting things, uh, you know, especially about doing that. And, you know, again, uh, you know, going and moving on to and doing on to the forensic side of it. But, you know, seeing the human side and what's interesting about that is, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, you look at digital data and there is certain things, you know, from a law enforcement side of it. If you're dealing with, 
you know, child pornography and every day that you, I mean, you're dealing with those types of cases or even homicides and you're doing all of that, you, you know, you see kind of, you get a little jaded by that. Right. And, but then, you know, even, and now if you're talking on the, on the, well, on the civil side of it or whatever, if you're uncovering this data, there's still a human behind it that either, you know, you know, produced it or is part of that, uh, that data stream. So, I mean, how would you, I, I guess, how would you suggest or, or give people, you know, an idea that might be getting into this, uh, help them understand that, I mean, there's a mental, you need to make sure that you're, I don't want to say mentally fit, but, you know, keeping, how do you stay healthy mentally by, by, you know, being into the situation? It's not just simply looking at, oh, okay, fantastic. This is all the hex. It's great. I go home and I'm fine because, you know, if, if you're doing your job well, and I'm, I'm not speaking for everyone, but if you really want to get into it, you get into it. And you don't just shut it off, right? So right. I guess, are, are there any recommendations that you might have for people? Well, what you just said is very important. And I think my first recommendation is be thorough. The work that you do will affect the life of a person or the life of a company. You can bring a company down or you can actually you know, help them protect what they actually invested all their life. So make sure that uh, you place yourself in a, in a mindset that what you're doing is completely disconnected from interests, right? From either side. Be, you know, be transparent and do your job as best as you can so you can uncover whatever data actually tells you. That's, that's my recommendation to people, mm -hmm. you know, getting in the field. If you're dealing with a CP, child pornography, I had the opportunity to work to a couple cases, uh, not many. Uh, I was not in law enforcement, so it's always been on the defense side of things. Uh, make sure that the person that hires you, the defense attorney, knows exactly what the person did. And your job there is not to defend the person. Your job is to inform the attorney what the evidence says so he can actually prepare a case to better serve his client. As you know, in my experience, and I haven't done many cases, you know, most of the time people that actually download OCP gets pushed out as a pedophile or you know, crazy person immediately without mm -hmm. having the chance to have you know, a case. Right. And uh, right. they get published in the newspaper and they get chained publicly. And uh, th the law is pretty clear. They have the right to defend themselves. Right. And I'm not yeah. defending what they do because I consider if, if they do it, it's, it's outrageous. It's not right. right. But I have cases where the guy that supposedly did this did not do it. Right. So, you know, it's, it's important that you actually, like I said, set yourself in a completely impartial uh, stage, even though you're hired by plaintiff or defendant, and just look yes. at the data as it is. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that 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 takes me into kind of a next kind of question is, I mean, it's you know always about data. Data is data. That that type. But but how important it is it for that investigator to really have an understanding of the data, or can they just get simply by by you know utilizing the tool to tell them what they think? It should be right. So, so tell me a little bit about how important it is. And you know, in in your words, I can give you my words. But how important is it for 
for you if you want to get into this field and continue in this field that you know what the hell you're doing? So very, very important. <laughs> the Back then, when most likely you started this and I started it, we did not have those tools that were, you know, the Forensicator Pro, right? Like you got published back in Twitter a long time ago. Uh, that tool that actually you were hitting the bottom and the evidence just magically appeared. Yeah. Uh, that, of course, helps a lot nowadays, you know, to prepare the data set and just push it out in front of you. But it's very important for you to know that, you know, the actions that occurred on a system were triggered by a certain set of instructions. So when you see something, I always recommend try to reproduce it. It doesn't matter if you know about this, if you're a super expert, if your tools are telling you this is here. Go through the whole process to make sure that what you have in front of you, you can reproduce. That way, and only that way, you can explain to, to the audience what really happened, you know? So it is, you know, nowadays there's a lot of people joining uh, the career and I love it because we need people, but uh, I will hate to, to think that most people sometimes just press the button yeah. and yeah. pushes out a report and the report is, you know, it's the end of it. Right. So right. reports yeah. are... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, obviously tools and, and you have these that, that are going to go and handle, you know, certain things, but, but it doesn't matter. I mean, a, a tool or, or however you, you know, you frame it, you know, you don't, you don't want to say, I mean, the big word that everyone uses this year, right, is narrative. But, but, but quite honestly, uh, you know, if, if you are looking and you can go and replicate exactly what has occurred, it's not necessarily a narrative. It becomes fact, right? It's not necessarily a, a tool that you're looking at it and it gives you this part of the picture. But if you're able to go in and if you can replicate it, you know the action that produced that, right? So if you know the action that produced that, you can go in and, and, and utilize, you know, obviously additional, you know, additional resources for that. So again, I, I think that's extremely important that that people understand um, really it's it's not just a fantastic I just bought this and this is going to do everything for me. I'm going to become and you know an investigator in in this world. It's a lot of work, right? And and not only a lot of work, I think it's it's not the 8 to 5 job. You know, if you if you think about it on the forensic side of it because you might have your 8 to 5 job where you're dealing with your customers uh, or your clients and now you now have these hours where you're like, "Oh, you know what?" this is weird. I need to go and find out what's going on or I need to research. And there's a ton of research that's out there. So on the research side of it, I mean, what do, do you do to prepare yourself or to better yourself for the investigations as it's changing so much um, in, in forensics? I mean, the devices are changing so much. So, I mean, what do you do and what can you give, uh, you know, some people that are watching, what, what, what kind of things that you, you can help them out with? So definitely technology just changes every day, right? One of the things that I do, and I know Kevin Pagano is like an expert doing this. Yeah. I play CTF. And the reason that I do is they keep me sharp on new evidence that comes out every day. I know that the developers of the CTF purposely put portions of the, you know, of the whole game that are 
something that just came out. And playing the CTF keeps you sharp in you know, new artifacts that are out there every day. Yeah. Also, think about what we do. It's a science, you know, mm -hmm. and treat it like a science. You know, just come up to your computer, turn it on, you know, select a small hard drive, and write a process. I'm going to do this, but write it down. Don't just go at it and play it. Just write it down with a with a you know, scientific method. And then after you finish, analyze it and see if your hypothesis, what you wrote down, match what you what you find in your analysis. It's yeah. it's definitely a science. So. Yeah. It's it's funny. I mean you start thinking about it and I mean I don't I don't want to say I'm just a freak, but um it's i mean if you get a new you know desktop uh you know something you want to install on the desktop do do you like run you know process now i mean i i actually run the system to see exactly what it's doing all the time it does a couple of things right it makes me feel better about it's not writing some crazy stuff out to somewhere where it shouldn't be um but i mean do you, how many people think about that i mean that that you're doing that just for yourself but you might be doing an investigation on, on a device that that person isn't doing that, right? And you might be looking for something. And if you start talking about IR stuff where, you know, you might have something that infiltrates the system, you have all these, I mean, how do you know, you know, these things that are installed? I mean, what are they doing? There's so many free tools out there that allow you to actually run and look at kind of the processes that are running yeah. within that. So, so, I mean, are there some examples that you might get or some, some, um, some tricks that you know that someone might um, benefit from that um, as part of your process, what you might do. Uh, you know, it depends on each case, right? Again, it's, yeah. it's a per case type of things. But play around with these internal tools. If you have uh, access to, you know, tools like Bit9 or Carbon Black or or you know, Red Canary tools or CrowdStrike tools, it just execute software and see what happens on a test machine. That's going to be a lot faster than going through the system internal tools. But to be honest, if you go with the raw tools, you know, the process explorers, Rex Explorer, you're going to learn a lot more because you will be surprised when you start a process, not three lines of code actually occurs. <laughs> it just blows your screen with locks, right? right. Uh, so you're going to, to learn a lot. Uh, back then, there used to be a tool called In Control 5. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No. Uh, which basically recorded a lot of the API calls on the systems. This is Windows XP time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you have a Windows XP, download that tool and yeah. play with it so you can see what actually occurs on the system, even though Windows XP is not, you know, or supposed not to be out there anymore. It's, right. just, it's, it's just for you to learn what really occurs, you know? So, so, so again, how important is it that people stay up to, I mean, up to speed on the versions of the, the you know, the operating system? There's so many that, that, that you know, that it, it, it's going and it's moving and a continual updates. I mean, again, how important is that people stay up to date? If, if, you know, if you're dealing with iOS, you know, going from the different um, updates of iOS or of Android or of Windows or of Mac. I mean, is that is that important for someone as a digital uh, forensic examiner to make sure that they're up to date on those? Super important. And, you know, they do come out every day. And every time there's an update, something breaks. And there's 
new evidence that comes up and shows up. Uh, thankfully, we have a community uh, that actually likes to give to give away a lot of uh, you know secrets and research. Uh, go through the you know tweet feeds about you know what's out there, new things. I think Fillmore has a blog that is fantastic because he basically resumes what everybody does, you know, yeah. every week and puts it out there. Uh, and then, of course, test. Do your own testing. Uh, yeah. You know, you may co you may collect a, a mobile device with a version today and collect the same mobile device the uh, same day and have completely different, you know, outputs or present, you know, 100%, you know, completely different problems. So yes. play play with your tools. Uh, if you have, you know, time to do it yeah. uh, during work, awesome. But like you said, our job is not eight to five. Right. I do go out of my office and I close that over here. And I, if I have a problem, it stays in my head through the <laughs> whole night. And yeah. it's like, could this be, you know, what created this artifact or maybe this, make sure that you write it down, you know, and come the next morning and test it. Right. So you can. Yeah, so, so let's talk about that because, you know, um, my favorite things are artifacts. I love them. I mean, there's, there's so many of them. Um, that you can and, and I mean spend hours upon it and and honestly as you say when you update you know an artifact that you saw was super bitching that you might look at it might be completely different right if I start talking about because I deal obviously with mobile devices and if you're talking about SQL or other type of database formats or any type of other file different versions of the app might completely change the entire scheme and it, it might be just all different right so so, I mean, what type of artifacts? I mean, what what are you dealing with day to day? What's your favorite kind of, I always ask you for the go-to, or I mean, give some people some nuggets that they might, you know, walk away with. I know that everything isn't always the same. Well, it really is never the same, you know, but, but there are some certain things that you might look for, whether it be, you know, doing, um, you know, doing computers uh, or doing mobile devices. I mean, what, what, what are some favorites for you? I mean, you can do multiples. Yeah, so... Of course, there is not only one, there's a bunch of them, but mobile on the mobile world, if you have access, I love the user dictionary. Yeah. The user dictionary gives you a lot of information about what that user did, right? Mm -hmm. A mm -hmm. geolocation on, on the mobile device is amazing too, right? And not only what our tools parse, because there's a lot more of that, right? Oh, yeah. A, oh, yeah. For computers, I you know the typical depending on the case, right? If it is you know trade secrets, I go to the registry, see what devices were connected, uh, any potential cloud storage. Uh, I love the index.dat for Internet Explorer. Love that particular artifact. Uh, yeah. Link files are amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, people get. It's modern nowadays, right? I, I had cases where where the guy did not took the data with a USB device and did not took the data with a cloud. And I'm like, I know he took the data because you know they took the client list and they are calling the client list. And we have uh, a, you know a member, a contact on the client list that is a it's a ringer, and they're calling him. And uh, how did they took this data out of this computer? The computers right. have it, and we have found out they took pictures on, uh, on a mobile device, right? So mm -hmm. you, 
you think outside the box, you know, yeah. what did this person had while she worked? Because you know, the computer didn't know show anything. And yeah. this particular person took a hundred pictures of the client list and then went through the work, you know, through the job of manually mm -hmm. typing them down and send yeah. information to a lot of people. So, you know, just approach each case with your best guess, follow your guts, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. follow your knowledge, I guess. So, so if, if we look at, let's talk about a, a little of this is, is with cloud, right? We have, you know, especially now, you know, people working remote, a lot of things, well, I don't want to say just because remote, I mean, it's, it is everything, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that is stored within the cloud, right? Uh, and that people have with the cloud accounts. What, I mean, what are you seeing? Are you utilizing, um, doing more investigations with data from the cloud? Or are you still dealing with, you know, that maybe that static data that might be sitting on a drive somewhere? Or, um, you know, I mean, is it 50-50? It's 50-50, but I do get a lot of clouds. And uh, thankfully, there's some, you know, some technology out there that actually sometimes is, unbeknownst to the clients, they're just pushing data all around, you know, iCloud, uh, syncing your profile to your work computer and to your home computer may provide a lot of information about what you did on your home computer on your work right. computer. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of uh, business email compromise cases, which is all cloud, you know, Microsoft yeah. 365, yeah. uh, maybe 80% versus yeah you know, Google suites or other ones uh, at a lower percentage. So mm -hmm. the, the information is out there. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So how important is it for an investigator that's coming into this, you know, might not necessarily just be concentrating on, you know, all right, this is what I do. This is the computer, this is computer forensics, but really kind of thinking outside the box um, of, of understanding, you know, AWS and may, you know, those types of storage, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies, even before this, you know, have been utilizing, you know, those, you know, AWS or workstations that they're able to go in. So how important is it someone to be prepared to do a, you know, an examination of the data that's contained within these repositories, right? Remember in the old days, it's VMware, you know, and, the, and you know, you would do an investigation. You're like, oh, this guy doesn't have crap. And, you know, you're like, oh, you know, actually has a couple of VMs that he does all his work in, right? Now we have the VMs that are all based upon the cloud and not stored locally. You know, there might not be much information that's locally just that they access it. So how important is it someone getting into this industry to understand you know, that technology and be able to do and, and perform an examination of the data within there. It is very important, but that comes with, you know, with a, with a problem. There's so much stuff right, right now. Yeah. Back then we had the computers and maybe a couple and of other little floppy drives. Yeah. Actually I have around here a Bigfoot drive, which is okay. like humongous. And it's, I think it's 400 megabytes. <laughs> so right now we're dealing with uh, terabytes of information. Yeah. and a hundred types of different systems. Uh, yeah. That said, the scientific method can be, you know, used on every, you know, t platform. You know, your hard drive, your cloud, just read about it. If you don't know what you're doing, find somebody that knows what he's doing and learn from him, right? Do not actually mm -hmm. sell yourself out 
oh yeah, I'll do that just just because you want to make money. Uh, just you know, go under somebody. Be smart enough to know I cannot really help my client with this case. I need to hire this group of people that are experts at this and learn from it, right? So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, 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 with that being said, though, I mean, is it should should people start? I mean, more of a targeted. I don't want to say triage, but really, so you should have a game plan if you have, you know. Uh, you know, your client is, 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 is this part of the case, but you know, I have access to this. Should it be more targeted? Because you're exactly right. Is that there's so much information and so much data that's out there. It's, it's no longer saying, no, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, let's just show up. Let's image these bad boys and let's get out of here. You know, we're talking about not only just terabytes. I mean, we're talking about just so much information. So do you see more of your investigations now as, as kind of targeted, Type grabbing that information, get that data. That's what you need. They are, and uh, there are some. There are amazing tools. Yeah, I think Eric Zimmerman, Escape, uh, uh, and some other. You know, all his tools are, are amazing. That are actually built for that. You know, to collect you know, certain information that may provide, you know, a, a high probability of getting information that is relevant to the case. Brian Moran has yeah. uh, with Brian Moore Labs has a tool that you, you can use to remotely collect a lot of volatile data from systems, uh, you know, download it, play with it. Uh, those triage are going to be very important. Right now, we've done deal with what you and I dealt you know, 15 years ago, which were two computers. We may be exposed to 100 computers, 1,000 computers, or 400,000 computers across the network uh, yeah. because, yeah. you know, I've done that. Okay. Yeah. You know what you're. And so, yeah. And so, I, I 100% agree with that. I, you know, it comes down to, and I think that's why a lot of, you know, I don't. Again, I don't want to say a triage because not necessarily triage as they used to be, right? I mean, they're targeted, and these are they're, they're created. I think because of the massive data sets that we that we do have. Even if you start talking about mobile devices, how much information that's out there, um, you know, within these within the cloud, I, you know, it's it, that's extremely crazy and difficult to deal with. So, you know. Um, in grabbing some of those, I mean, do as part of the cases that you're doing now are um, primarily. Uh, I mean, what would you say the majority are, are dealing with? You know, is it an IP thing? Is it an HR thing? What What are you seeing? You know, the ma- majority of your cases involving not necessarily the data, but just I mean, an overview of it. Yeah. So, the majority of my cases are intellectual property theft. The typical employee left a company and either the company is doing a collection uh, just to make sure that everything was, you know, the way it's supposed to be. Uh, or just, you know, they caught uh, people leaving these, just the computers or the companies red-handed taking information out of those companies. That, I will say that is about 50% of what I do. And then I will say about 35% uh, is incident response type of work. I do consulting for a couple of large companies in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, uh, business email compromise, so a big portion of that incident response, you know, response portion of it. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of model forensics you know, nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, when cases come yeah. through law firms, there's always mobile devices involved. Right. All the investigations yeah. nowadays. So, yeah. Yeah. And I would say I would, you know, I, and I'm just speaking, you know, just from what I know is, you know, especially if you're coming on from, 
you know, the law firms, the law firms pretty much have to do with a mobile device, right? Whether, you know, if it's whatever type of case it is, but, you know, those be involved in it. Do you see that the, the, the data that you're looking at now or the devices that you're looking at now, would you say, I mean, are, are you asked for more mobile device in the investigations or the investigation involving mobile devices? Or is it is it split between, I mean, uh, you know, computers or any type of IR? I will say mobile devices is the highest percentage. And sometimes I don't even understand why. <laughs> so mobile devices are just an interface. Most of the data reside on cloud, cloud servers. So mm-hmm. it's a matter of education to the attorneys too. You know, they want to collect the mobile device because they want to get the emails that they read on the mobile device. Like, mm, guess what? The emails are, yeah. they're now here. Right. They're somewhere else. So, or they want those Facebook messages or the Instagram yeah. messages or, so. Come on, man. It's just a small phone. Uh, I can get it all off of here. Oh, right but now. you got the 512 gigs, you know, version of it. There's, it should be plenty for a lot of information. Yeah, it's all there. It's all there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I usually tell my clients, you just you know, put your phone in airplane mode and go to face, you know, Facebook and see what you see. Nothing. Right. Like, exactly. There's nothing. Exactly. So, yeah. and of course, it's, nowadays, you know, hey, Apple or, you know, Android devices are getting more secure. They, you know, if you're not law enforcement, you can only get so much. Right. out of these devices or if there's not a known you know exploit that you can apply to these and, devices so and that's what's that's you know not not to get into the weeds but you know why do you think it's 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 so hard for people to to understand the availability of data within a cloud service the you know accessibility especially i mean Law enforcement, it's a little bit different, right? Um, especially if someone's saying, pack sand, you're not going to get anything, I'm not getting your credentials. But if you're outside of law enforcement and you have that information, how? I mean, how is it that people don't understand that these are kind of transactional devices? A lot of the information is going to be stored within these different, or on these uh, different servers that are storing it. So, I mean, how do you educate them? Do you, do you, I mean, I loved what you just said, put an airplane mode and try to go to it and you're like, oh crap, yeah, okay, I don't see anything. That's probably the best thing you do. But I mean, how do you explain it to them further about, oh man, we have this. Is it just like, okay, give me this information so I can access this cloud. Here's the data. And they're like, oh crap, really? All that information? You know, I think first step to educate uh, attorneys about this is when they approach you and they tell you you want to collect a mobile device, ask them why, right? Don't just take it because your company needs to make money. And he's like, because I want the Facebook messages. Just be 100% sincere and tell, we'll collect the mobile device out of the diligence, but you're going to have to subpoena Facebook for this data. Uh, which, by the way, brings another big issue using that particular one, uh, including that export your own data out of Facebook does not does not export all the data you know right. that you have. You may have actually posted something and then edited that post. When you export the data out of Facebook, that edited version does not come out. So yeah. there's not many tools out there that pull it out. Yeah, and so 
that that brings up another great point. I mean, you keep bringing up these great points. Um, is 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 that I mean, once you as an as an investigator need to be educated, not simply to do your job, you know, the way that you want and you you believe that should be done, but it really comes down to educating your clients, right? Educating your clients to the um, non CSI version of the world, right? Yeah. Of giving them the information of of this is this is the truth. And I mean, if you do, if you're not armed with the first part of it, is really understanding that you can kind of give your clients a you know there's an expectation that they're going to have Correct. of what can be just based upon fantasy, right? Yep. Be upfront about it. Uh, you know, thankfully, I'm in a small company nowadays, and uh, I tell my client how it is, and they decide to either to move forward or not. But larger corporations have sales teams, and yeah. their purpose is to sell. So expectations are set up badly. And I'm pretty sure, because I've been in that end portion of it, yeah. when a sales guy actually brings you a case and provides the expectation that he, he gave you, it's like, you as an examiner, it was like, impossible. I'm not gonna yeah. be able to do this, so. Yeah, yeah, that's my example of, you know, a detective, it brings in this phone to you and like going, dude, it's just a phone. And here, can you give it to me and go? Yeah, I'll be here five minutes because it's, you know, boom, just give, you know. So, again, I think that's exactly right. It's setting the expectation up. I think that's extremely important that you would do to 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 the client. Again, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but there's a couple of things. One, love um, the stormtrooper that you have behind you, um, which brings up something that, you know, I said I was going to ask it because I, I simply love it, is – you know, your, your Twitter handle, and there has to be some explanation because I see people's Twitter handles. And I'm like, man, I got to ask them about it because that's just really important to me. So yep. give us some info. So Darstack, so Darth Vader, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure if I, you know, when I was a kid, I was hit with a big stormtrooper or maybe my Falcon Millennium fell on my head. But I have a fixations with Star Wars. I think yeah. maybe bigger than Rob Lee's fixation with Star Wars. Do it right here. Exactly. And you know, as you know, what well, when this whole internet started, I guess I was one lucky kid that had internet in Venezuela, which was unheard of. Right. Uh, I remember dialing at maybe seven kilobytes per second. You hear that sound? Is that you still dream with that sound? And hear- oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And my mom getting pissed because I was actually occupying the cell phone. Exactly. exactly. So back then, I joined a, a bunch of chats, and I think the only way to hide my identity on the internet was using that alias. So I used DAR, SAC, and SAC are my initials. Santiago yeah. Alejandro Ayala Capriles. Being long, long name, like you know, most Latin Americans have. Okay. Uh, so I, I kept it all my life. And then when Twitter came out, I think I joined Twitter pretty late because I was, I'm not a big social media guy. Uh, I decided to join with DARSAC, uh, used to keep that identity. And I dressed up I don't know if you've seen the little, it's a, yeah. it's a Tweety Bird, yeah. and I just yeah. made the Star Wars, uh, yeah. you know, it dressed him up. So that's, no, no, it's fantastic. And I mean, <laughs> yeah, and it's been this, it's, it has been the same ever since I've, uh, you know, known that. And, and it's, it's interesting 
is, you know, I, and I, I was actually talking to someone, I think, uh, might have been yesterday, because they were asking about, you know, okay, would your kids, you know, if they looked at, I mean, they've seen, you know, obviously the Star Wars and the new Star Wars, and you have those things, and I'm like, you know what, man, I remember seeing, seeing Star Wars, I mean, I think it was 1976, somewhere around that, I remember my parents taking me you to still drive-in. You saw Star Wars in 1976? What's that? You saw it at 1977. It was when it came out, and oh, I remember at a at a, at a buddy. I'm old, man. I'm old. <laughs> you can. <laughs> yes, I'm old. Oh wow. Yeah, and so it was in at a drive-in in the back of my dad's pickup. I remember watching that show. No, that's I just dated myself. I'm telling you. My first but, memory of Star Wars in a movie theater is pretty pathetic. You see, was the Ewoks movie. Oh, really? Yes. Mm. And, and that's what I actually recollect as a kid, because I was yeah. born in 1974. Yeah. And I do remember how much that particular movie theater costs, because I used, I used to live across of it. It's like five bolivares, which, you know, back then you could buy a dollar with it. Today, it's, I think it's over a billion bolivares per dollar. Really? It's just crazy, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're dating ourselves. My goodness. Yes. So, so I, we ta- we had talked about the, the last thing. The last thing that I I want to to bring up. You know, because I think that one of the things that has been kind of a theme throughout all of these the shows that I've done is really community. And, and I think that that's extremely important for people to understand that there are people out there that are able to go in and, you know, either, either produce something, put, put documents together, do whatever that, that, you know, or reach out. So what advice can you give to someone or where, where can you tell them that they can go, that they can go in and get support, you know, um, you know, I have a certain problem doing this type of investigation or whatever, or have questions or even want to research or find out about research or, you know, try what kind of recommendations or where can people go? Twitter is a big place for it. Uh, like I said, Phil's more uh, has a really nice collection of blogs, but more importantly, reach out. I, I have learned that if you reach out to, to the people that is out there, basically writing the books, basically paving the, the path of digital forensics, they are, I will say, 90% really nice. They will get back to you, and they will provide feedback. Also, if you are in a position to teach, uh, be a mentor. You know, I always you know, kill myself for not posting a lot of information that I know I had back then earlier that I could share, uh, that could help uh, where I used to work, they like to get that information as a, as a treasure. Uh, but that information is important because what we're, you know, what I told you before, we're just uncovering the truth, the facts, right? Yeah. Uh, be a mentor. If you know somebody that can be a great analyst, just grab it under your arm and, you know, pay him, pay, pay for, if you can, for a couple of certifications for him. Uh, start with simple ones like the CCE. It only costs, you know, I think it's like $500 for them to try and, and provide him, you know, books. And I have a bunch of books here. And I usually offer them to kids that I know, hey, are you interested in this? Come to my office, yeah. read through my books, and I will pay for your certification. That way you can start, you know, paving your, your future, your career. 
And thankfully for me, it has pan out. You know, I have people that I mentor that are now sitting at really important directed positions in really large companies in the U.S. So. Yeah, I think I think that that has changed a bit, you know, simply be for the last what seven eight months, um, and and I think that there has been more information that that has been uh, you know trying to get out there and trying to share with people, um, because I I just I just really I think that people are finally realizing that information should be shared, not just held tight to them. If the information needs to be out there, because if you're not sharing the information, wait a month and somebody else is going to share the information that you thought you should have. Right. Huh. You know, so, so I think that that's, a, that is extremely important. And, you know, there's several resources, you know, I know uh, Brett Shaver just actually just put something on with the chat, you know, uh, with uh, DFI or training and, you know, he has, uh, has put together and, and, and shared some books and has some great things out there. You know, like you said, with Bill Moore, um, it, you know, has has some great great Dis things out Discord there as well. Is great for oh, Discord channel. I mean, those guys have, have have knocked it out of the park. Fantastic, and have been just doing it, just doing a great job. So again, there's a lot of great resources yep. you know that are out there, and I think exactly Brett Shaver just uh, sums it up in the chat saying never underestimate the power of asking someone a question. Never, and I think that's important, right? I mean, just go and ask someone the question. And, and I think that you're going to, uh, you know, I don't want to say you're going to be surprised, but, you know, you're going to get an answer for someone. You know, they're not going to just say, yeah, whatever. You will I'll always get I, an answer or they will actually point you in the right direction for you to find it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You never want to get an answer if you don't know the answer, right? You don't want right. to make something up, right? Just point them to someone else. So Awesome. Again, it's Friday, and um, that was 50, uh, well, 50 minutes. I'm sorry I kept you so long. Oh, that's perfect. I, I wind up, I I wind up talking a whole bunch, and I want to say, again, my beer is gone. So, I still have uh, I wanna... so I'll, I'll enjoy it after. Yes, you enjoy it afterwards, <laughs> um, and uh, we'll do this again. I appreciate you uh, you coming on and, uh, I guess, working so hard and being uh, such a great member of the community. So keep up the great work. My pleasure. Awesome. Another forensic happy hour down, and uh, it is just you know what I just every every time I I put this together and uh, talk, I'm just the guy that just asks weird questions. But you know honestly, the people in this community have uh, been spectacular, and uh, I do appreciate everything that everyone continues to do um, with this because it's I mean. It, it, we cannot uh, continue unless we don't uh, obviously stay together and, and put some great information out there. So um, should be back next week. Um, I think I'm going on vacation, but uh, I enjoy this so much. I'm going to dig someone up and we're going to uh, still do this. It might be a recording, so you might not be able to watch it live, but we'll see. Uh, I appreciate everyone and everyone have a great weekend. Thanks. Thanks.